you haven't been following our sermon series, I want to encourage you to go online to our website and, and also to our socials and, uh, and just uh, read through and, and study and uh, enjoy the, the first three sermons. As we come to the fourth one, today we're going to continue on that I am statement that Jesus declared himself to be in the gospel. And today we're going to look at one that is so familiar to all of us, Jesus is I am divine. So I'm going to read through the first 11 verses, and uh, um, I want you to journey with me. Verses 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Some translations say the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that he may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that, and with us. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, there is an imagery here that as you listen to it, maybe for us, we, we understand it in a slightly different way to how the people who are listening to Jesus right at that time. And you can just imagine, I can just, you know, just imagine the guy sitting around and Jesus start talking and he say, I want to tell you something. I am the vine. When you would think that maybe these guys were sitting around and say, and a bit excited because Jesus talked about the vine. And maybe for some of them, they, they love the fruit. Maybe for some of them, they enjoy having a party and enjoy the, the wine the product of the vine. Maybe some of them have been working hard that day in the vineyard. Maybe some are owners and they're producing a lot of fruits and they're getting wealthy. And they're excited about Jesus sharing. So they sit and say, Jesus, tell me. And then Jesus started and say, I am the vine. And, and then he start, went on. And as he was talking uh, about the branches, I am the vine and you are the branches. You know, immediately the people who are sitting right there, you need to understand, it's not what we think. Because in their mindset of those who are sitting around his disciples, there is a notion of the word vine in the Old Testament. So the word vine was used to refer to the people of Israel, his beloved people, and God was the gardener. However, whenever the vine is used, it is seen to be used in a negative way. 
because here his beloved people, who they were told to follow this and, and follow his commandment. And whenever they keep breaking the commandment, whenever they sin against God, whenever they drifted away from God, God's wrath came over them. So when they, when they first heard Jesus talk about, I am the vine, you can just imagine, imagine their face look with silence and say, are you going to bring judgment over us? Jesus, we love the fact that you talk about, uh, yeah, I'm the light of the world. Yeah, I'm the shepherd and the, and the gatekeeper and, and so forth. The vine. Are you going to say something different? Are you going to bring something that is more good news? If not, Jesus, change the subject. Talk about something else different. So Jesus started, I am the true vine, and I am not that vine that you're thinking about. I am not that vine. And then Jesus turned the imagery upside down. You can probably imagine the slight sense of, of relief in them and say, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be great. And then he went on and to talk about the branches and God being the gardener or a vine dresser. And then he started to talk about if the branch doesn't bear fruit, it's going to be cut and throw into the fire. And can you imagine the shift in emotion in them? And they say, Jesus, you just tell me you're going to change the imagery upside down and it's going to be good news. And now you're telling us judgment is coming upon us if we are like that branch. So what's going on here, Jesus? We're just not sure about this. And then Jesus went on. In 1 John 15, verse 2, he continued, and he talked about two kinds of branches. One that bear fruit, and one that doesn't bear fruit. By the way, you love my snacks for this morning? <laughs> Sorry, it's not enough for all of you, and I'm not going to perform a miracle, but... <laughs> Make sure it doesn't capture attention. Stay with me, all right? One is being removed, and one is pruned. But notice first of all that both branches refer to the fact that they're both Christians. Why? Because the Bible says both branches, you know, abide. They're both connected to me. Jesus say, because these folks connected to him. So... It doesn't talk about non-believers. You need to think about it. It doesn't talk about people who are not Christian. So if you're here and you're not Christian, you're safe this morning. By the way, do we have any Christian here this morning? <laughs> One, two, three. Oh, at least. Uh, hoo, hoo, hoo. A lot of I'm glad that we got something to talk about today. <clears throat> you're safe, not a Christian. <laughs> I love that. So... Both branches connect the vine. So what does it mean for God to take the unfruitful branches away and prune the fruitful branches? First, let's start with the unfaithful branches, the, the, the bad, bad branches uh, are set to be cut off. We need to go back to the Greek to understand, okay? The Greek word is array, and it can be translated as lifts up or takes away. The NIV Use the word cuts off, and I don't like it. Does anyone like that term? I do not like that translation. I prefer the, the ESV and other translation. 
But why, how would you make it, how you decide which translation to go for? The helpful thing for us to do this morning, I want us to go to what a vine dresser do, because it'll help us to understand. Ask him, what do they do with unfruitful branches? So grapevine, if left, we know that if the grapevine branches are not attended to, they will be left lying on the ground and will send the roots down to the soil, hoping to look for some nutrients. Um, uh, unfortunately, maybe for some of them, they might produce a, a bitter kind of fruit, but it's not much. So when the vine treasurer come in and see a branch lying on the ground, he sees that this branch needed to get the sources from the vine and not from the soil because that tiny little shoot that goes into the soil only goes so far as much just on the surface, whereas the root, the, 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 the body, the vine goes right deep beneath the ground and get a lot more better resources. So what does he do? A vine dresser pick up the branch and they will tie it around with a wire or a lettuce post in order for it to breathe new air, in order for it to really connect back to the vine. And then they see miracle happen, that they start to see vine coming along. So that's what's happening. When the vine presser do that, notice they don't cut it off. They lift them up and tie it back too. So if you feel like that in life is really down, be encouraged. Just relax because you might be setting up to be lifted up. So what does it mean to airy or remove unfruitful brands? Far from taking it away or cutting it off, this word seems to depict, depicts the tender love and care of a father who loved to see someone being picked up once again. Love to see his children and want to produce more fruit. This is not a picture of judgment or unproductive, but completely the opposite. It simply shows how much God loves us, tenderly caring for us. No wine dresser, remember some use gardener, wine dresser, they will not cut any all branches because if they do, they're not going to expect any fruit for the whole season of the whole year. Similarly, God the vine dresser, rather than cut, cut off what, when you don't produce fruit, he helped to lift you up where you feel life is in the sun, breathing, breathing fresh air, and get nutrients from the vine. Secondly, so what does the vine dresser do then with the ones that are producing fruit or with those that already are producing fruit? We told in verse 2 that Christian fruit-bearing living expect ongoing pruning. The word used here is kepha array. It means to prune or to clean. And scholars say that the best way to translate this quick word is to say that those branches that do bear fruit, they just need cleaning. That same word is used when Jesus cleaned the disciples' feet. They were kind of somehow clean, clean but their feet were. And so all he did was just to clean, needed that clean wash, removing the dead filthy stuff, and the same with the leaves. I know that very well, you know, when I used to work in a farm a lot back in, in those uh, early years when I came here in, in Robinville, I used to work in the vineyard doing the uh, bruning and, 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 and what is called the thinning. 
And for those of you who are, who are gardener, you know what I'm talking about. You get to go through the fruits, even though there's, you look at it, and, and I didn't understand in the beginning, why do you have to take a lot of good fruit when there's a big bunch of fruit? And I understand later that even though it's big, and if there's some rotten one, you get to take it out because it'll cost the rest. But when it's thick, you get to thinning it so you can have this nice, beauty fruit as you go on. Healthy fruits. By interest, a prune and clean is a way of, of removing suckers from the fruit-bearing brands. So when Jesus speaks of vine and brands, he is saying that the ultimate purpose of ongoing pruning is to bear fruit. And the goal of that process is to multiply more. We heard that term this morning. More and much fruit. I love going to the gospel. And I know Pastor Stan loves that as well. You know, if you haven't been to the Costco, um, many probably haven't been to that um, place that you mentioned before in the U.S. I've been there, but the Costco as well. I've been to Costco, and here I love going with my family to Costco. And whenever we go to Costco, we will never leave Costco without going to the food court and get some food. And you get a large pitcher. And if you know what I'm talking about, a large pitcher is a large Pitcher. It's almost that one slice of it is equivalent to the normal large size pitcher we get here in the West. <laughs> and when you get a cup, you get not just a regular cup, you get an upsized cup. And even that, if you're not satisfied, you go back to the machine and keep filling until you are satisfied. And then you walk away. You don't go to Costco to just buy a <clears throat> six or twelve toilet roll. You go for 48, 52, you go to 60, and much more. You don't go to just to buy a dozen of eggs. We go to four trays of 30, you time that, it's 120, and it's worth going to Costco. You don't go just to buy a chicken. It's a huge, massive, massive big bird. And I often wonder where they get that from, because I haven't seen any big. <laughs> the message is they know how to upsize you. For more. Love that. So <laughs> it's challenging, but it's helpful. It's, it's good. So I'm doing a promo. I get points for promotion for gospel. <laughs> They're saying that you don't have to be satisfied with the miraculous. What they're saying is we can make it bigger, gather you more. Jesus gathered with the disciple in the upper room, and Jesus offered to them to supersize their experience with him. I hope that you are not satisfied with the regular orders of Jesus. I just hope that you are not satisfied, that you just want something, but instead, I hope you want something more of Jesus. John 15 tells us then, and tells them and us how to get a supersized experience with him, how to move beyond the regular orders, you know, just going on to go to church on Sunday, feeling good but never being having a transformative experience with Jesus. He uses his poetic language and analogy, I am the vine, you are the branches. And this leads him to talk to them about bearing fruit. If you're not a Christian, I have some news that you might not like. Christian life is about bearing fruit. Jesus started off in verse 2, with bearing fruit, and then he goes to verse, verse 3, 
bearing more fruit. And then verse 5, we're going to bear much fruit. And then later on in verse 16, it's about remaining fruits, the fruit that will last. So he's talking about fruit. Talking about fruit, I feel like I have my snacks. Hmm. 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 Sorry, Stan. You got here. You're joining for me. I'm here. So if you're a supersized Christian, you look more like Jesus, <laughs> not less. It's my time. You're giving God more glory, not less. This wasn't planned. <laughs> and you are benefiting, benefiting other people more, not less. There are three characteristics of fruits. The first fruit bear the characteristic of the tree. The mango didn't come off a banana tree. <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll save it for us two later. <laughs> the grapes didn't come out of a banana tree. The fruit reflect the character of the tree. The second thing about fruit, fruit is visible. Have you eaten an invisible fruit? There is a fake fruit, it's called plastics. Fruits are visible, as you can see here. The third thing is, fruit exists for the benefit of others. Imagine if it sits here and no one eaten. The only fruits that eat itself is the rotten fruit. <clears throat> it always exists for the benefit of others. You know that you, when you are bearing fruit, when other people want to take a bite out of your life, when other people want to be like you, want to emulate you as you follow Christ, they follow you. So when Jesus talked about fruit, he was talking about a productive Christian life, a Christian life that is growing in the character of the vine, which is Christ. It is visible for others to see, and it's bringing glory to God, and it's benefiting others. Apostle Paul described the fruit this way. The fruit of spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all this good fruit. Is there any fruit that are not visible in your life? Is there any fruit in your life that doesn't reflect the character of Jesus, the vine? Is there any fruit in your life that exists for the benefit of others, only for yourself? Where are you drawing your sources to produce fruits? The nutrient, the energy, the passion, the motivation to bear fruit. Hold this thought for a moment as we continue with our sermon. Jesus is saying, in order for you to be a supersize, mega size, oversize, any size that you like to get into, in order for you to get to the next level of experience of me, you have to grow in your abiding. That's a key word that we're going to dwell in right now. You need to grow in your abiding. Ten times in those 16 verses, the word abiding is used. It's John's word of intimacy, relationship. When he went to talk about getting closer and experience to God, he said, you must learn to abide. And the Greek word for that is meno. Meno means to stay, to hang out, to remain loyal. It's you get to hang out. Jesus said, if you want to be like me, you have to hang out with me. Do you know there are some Christians who just visit Jesus on a Sunday morning? 
There are some Christians who just visit Jesus when they say a prayer once a week. There's some Christians who visit Jesus when they just drop a, a, a giving and then walk away. And yet some want to date Jesus when Jesus ring and talk. It is true that simple knowledge of the word is not enough. To produce fruit, we must abide in Christ. We must abide in the vine. And what does that mean? <coughs> Producing fruit is not automatic. I hear often people say, once you give your life to God, you're going you're gonna to be automatically bear fruit. That is not truth. The truth, folks. If abiding, you know, was automatic, you think about the disciples who were with Jesus. If it was automatic, Jesus would not talk about abiding. And the disciples would not have escaped. Because they say, Jesus, I love you, we'll follow, we do everything. Then the next day, they left off. Ten times he said, abide with me, stay with me. A branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you in, inside. You abide in me. He's talking to his disciple. They are really Christians. They clean. He didn't tell them how to get saved. Again, Jesus didn't tell the disciple. He was making a point. Salvation doesn't mean that you're bearing fruit. Might be a nice person or a kind person, a no trouble person, a hard working, committed person, but not bearing fruit. Jesus is telling his disciples about how to bear fruit, how to be productive in their Christian experience, and it comes by abiding, and it's not a hard work. If you're a tea lover, there are two ways to make a tea. Some will put a tea back in a, in a pot, and they get a spoon. And if you are a dipper, then you get the spoon and you wind around. And then you, and then you put it in a cup and then some put the, the finger and push on the tea bag to try and get in the cup in order to try and get everything coming out. I see people do that while they're talking to me and I kind of wonder, wow, how much effort. It's hard work to be a dipper. <laughs> press, press, keep going, press, press, press. When I make my tea, even though I'm a coffee lover, but whenever I get to make my tea, I take the bag, I drop it off, and I move away. Amen. amen. I see one amen. <laughs> you know why? Because the hot water and the tea are made for each other. The hot water and the tea will keep going back and forth. And then you come back, transformation takes place. A lot of people think they can dip in. I just, if I just dip into the church, I'll feel better. If I give enough, I'll be better. If I read my Bible enough, I'll be better. That's what the Pharisees did. They were the expert in dippers. But Jesus is saying, no, now you must pursue a relationship with me. He said, if you abide in me, a change will come. Ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. Christians who abide in him get their prayers answered. If you're just a visitor and not an abider, 
Jesus is not sure if he can trust you with the answers. But if you're just showing up because you need something, if you're just showing up because you want something but don't want him, there's a problem. Back in 1995, 94, I used to travel to Sydney for most of the year, almost every weekend, to prepare a 100-piece choir to go to Tonga in 1995. I would go on a weekend because I would study and a little bit of work during the week. I would fly, and every time I come back, I would buy something at the airport for my children. They were still young back then. So every time I come home, they would run to me, and I would, they'd just give me a hug and give me the love. Then I reach to my back and I get whatever, which is a lolly or a little toy or a little clo a clothes, and give it to them. They loved it. Eventually, more and more as I did that, they started to ask me, Dad, when are you going again? <laughs> Isn't there a choir practice? You're not going this week. They don't mind me going. As long as they get what they want, they're waiting for. A lot of Christians prep God. They wanted a blessing, but not wanting Him. Verse 3 again in verse 7, Jesus is referring to His words. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Again in verse 7. Abide in me and my words. Let me explain how it works. For those of you who might not be familiar, or perhaps new in Christian circle, there are three words. There is takrafe. I didn't bring my Bible. If you've got a Bible, let's just pretend it is a Bible. Akrafe, the Greek word, it is the Bible. It's the Word of God recorded in the Scripture. And whether I read it or not, it is what it is. It's the Akrafe. And then there is the Logos. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was God. The Logos is the content is the, in the Akrafe, and it's the meaning of the contents in the Quafe. Now, when the white God says that Jesus became man so that we can see the Father through Jesus. But then, there is the Rima. The Quafe, what was written, the logo is the understanding what is written, but the Rima is what has been written speaks into your life experience personal experience and applies to your situation. It's God's words coming from the scripture into your life experience. One of the things we get to protect our children from is online predators. A female will go into a chat room online, start typing to someone, to somebody, and they get to type word on a computer, and the word exchange get to a point that she starts to be stirred up and feel emotionally connected, and they get to a point that she risks her safety and her privacy to go and meet the other person. Why a word on the computer is so powerful? Because there is a living person on the other side. The word of God. There is a living person behind this graphic, 
behind the word. He said, if you're just hanging out with me, if you include me in the totality of your life, don't make me a Sunday experience. Don't make me an anniversary connections. Don't make me a place where you just go to get a blessings. Abide in me, hanging out with me, hanging out with me. It's a 24 hours journey. When you go to work, when you're driving, when you come to a point of the crossroad, you, you, can't, you can't decide where, what to do, call me. I'm there with you. He said, if you abide with me, hanging out with me, I will supersize my presence in you. And you will find your position in my presence. Don't settle for the regulars of his orders. It's about supersized experience by abiding with him. Not because of anything that we did, but because of who he is that he said, I am. Have you had the experience that where you come home from work and you kind of know if your children are behaving or having a good day, they run to you. Then one day you come, you couldn't find. You walk in, you ask, they're in the room. Perhaps mom was saying, you shouldn't do that and you wait for your father to get home. They run and escape and hide in fear, terrible in fear. Have you ever felt like that, that you need to clean yourself before coming to the Lord or perhaps good enough? Jesus was in the upper room, the disciples. It was just about 24 hours away from doing just that. Running and hide. When he was in the garden, he told them, you know, that they will come, the time will come that you will portray me. He walked away and <clears throat> Peter said, Jesus, even if they run, I'm going to stick to that. Even if I die, I'm not going to leave you. Jesus said, Peter, you know, no, Jesus, no, there's no way he was saying. You know, the night comes. The guard came around, Peter picked up a sword, and he went in and slapped one guy ear. I wonder why he didn't cut the head or the shoulder. Why cut? Maybe the guy was turning and the sword hit him and cut his ear. He said, put the sword back because they'll die. The hands of the sword. He picked up the ear and put it back to this man. And then the morning came. Jesus was just about to be arrested and taken Everyone ran away, but Peter's just hiding there. Someone came around, Peter, you're one of them. He said, no, 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 I'm not. Twice he said, no, I am not. I'm telling you, but you, your language is like a Kegelian. I'm telling you, for the first time, he's almost like agitated and scream and say, I don't even know him. And then the Bible say, the alarm clock went off. The rooster went. And then Jesus looked, and he saw Peter. Peter looked at him, and his heart broken. You run. Fast forward. It was the post-resurrection. Peter and the guys were out back to work and out in the, on a boat and, uh, and fish. And they saw Jesus was at the shore. Peter jumped to the water and started swimming. Well, the other guys were just to turn the boat. He outrun, outswim them. And he got there. And he wasn't ashamed because he betrayed Jesus. He ran away in the shame of him. But he fell to his knees. He came to Jesus. 
Now, to understand our position in the Lord and what it means to abide in him, we don't have to escape. We don't have to hide. We don't have to be clean to come to him. You may be in that season. The Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You keep my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that you may be full. This is my commandment to love. We've been talking about love, the power to love. How can that love bear fruit? We've been singing that love. Pastor Stan and Diana have been talking about the fruit of love. But it happens not because we obey the commandments. Sometimes we took obedience before we loved Jesus. The more we obey and do this legalistic stuff, the more we love Jesus. Jesus said, no. It starts by abiding in Jesus. Then the fruit of love will happen. It's because you abide, abide in the vine. The call for us today, if we just hang with Jesus and grow in our capacity to love the Lord because it empowers and fuels my obedience to love. I want to say this in conclusion. And, you know, the key to effective Christian living and powerful fruit-producing lives is not how much of the Bible you know or how long you pray or what church you go to. The key to being used greatly by God is abiding in Christ. You know, historically, they say in Jerusalem and the nearby, particularly in a non-productive season, dry season, the vine dresser will leave their branches lying on the ground. If you drive along that side of Jerusalem and on the way to Bethlehem, in the dry season, they left there. And when the season comes, the vine dresser will come. It doesn't mean he doesn't want them to produce fruit because he requires energy and, and nutrients to be able to produce. But he doesn't want them. He just wants them to rest alive and still remain connected to the vine. Then when the season of fruit coming, he come and lift them up to start bearing fruit. Folks, there might be a season where you experience that. Someone said, uh, if you're just feeling exhausted, I just want to, to know that there might be a season that the vine trust of God allow you to just lie on the ground and still abide. You might be discouraged, you might be thinking that you're being rejected. But the season is coming. The divine dresser will lift you up to the cross. Because that's where the transformation happens. They say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection. I'm introducing what Pastor Sam is going to speak on next week. It happens on the cross when the vine treasure and the fruit are happening on the cross. He'll lift you up and tie you on the cross. You will see chains comes. 
I'm going to pray as the uh, team prepare to lead us in a fun song. And this song that we sang already speaks of I am a child of God. Jesus said, I am the vine. You say, I am the branch, meaning I'm a child of God. I want you to think of that today, that I am. Jesus said, I am the vine. You say, I am a child of God. Being proud to be, I am a child of God. And when you know that you are a child, a child connected to his Father through Jesus. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for this morning as we dive into your word and we get to learn something fresh. Maybe some of us, we, we kind of knew what that Christian life looks like. For some of us, we've been in this journey for so long, and yet we think that we are productive, and yet we don't bear much fruit. Whatever we experience, Lord, this morning, we just want to pray that you keep producing in us, even though we might seem unproductive in our life. If there's too much that needs thinning, if we hang around with the wrong crowd, they're not hanging with you, Lord, help us to hang around more with you. Help us to abide with you by hanging out 24 hours, not on a Sunday morning, not just a time when we feel down and we don't just come for blessing. We want to abide in you, Lord, so that we can experience you more. We can see you more. We can have an upsize more of you, Jesus. And we confess that we have not had more of you. I want you to fill our hearts with that emptiness so that we can have this super size experience of love joy, peace, patience, whatever it is, Lord, to work in us, produce us, whatever they need to be lifted so that we can produce more. We pray the world around us, and we heard this morning just an example of it, that people will see fruit of the Spirit, where there's the love, where they give us a family, they need to see God and Jesus in our lives. If we haven't been productive, Lord, if we haven't been a good fruit, Help us, Jesus, help us to continue to abide in you. Maybe for some of us we've been drifted away, and yet we're here today. We're listening at home. We thank you that we can still stay connected. Lord, pour your source, spirit, to move in us so we can keep bearing much fruit, fruit that will last. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name. And everybody says, Thank you.